0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of Close Reads of 2018 here on the Searcy Institute Podcast Network. I am David Kern and as always on Close Reads, I am still, even in 2018, joined by Angelina Stanford and Tim McIntosh. Angelina Tim, happy new year.
1: Happy Happy New New Year, Year, David. You You know, I'm reminded of just a few episodes ago when you were laying out the 2018 reading schedule and I had, you know, ominously said that I wasn't sure I'd still be alive. But, you know, so far so good. (laughs) Clock struck midnight. I did not turn back into a pumpkin. My shoes were still on. Everything's great.
0: (laughs) Your shoes were still on. (laughs) Tim, I'm I'm curious. Did you you do more for New Year's Eve or New Year's Day than you did for Christmas (laughs) (laughs) Day? I
2: I, I think I was in bed at... Before eleven,
1: <laughs> so you in were fairness, not counting your gold this time.
2: Well, but no, you could I was just, not counting my you gold count this time. Counting the
0: East Coast, the East Coast New Year.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I didn't watch the ball drop or anything. I've been. I posted some Facebook pictures. My buddy Andrew and I have been oh, building a cottage in he and his wife Marianne's, backyard, and we worked the whole day. And oh my gosh, I forgot building. I don't know if you guys have ever like done much building, but Late in the process, it gets really exciting because you're putting the drywall up and you're putting the insulation in and you're doing the wiring and all that. Um, but the only drawback is all the insulation, breathing that insulation is such a nightmare. <laughs> I had a, I had a shirt tied around my face and I had all this like dust particles from all the two by fours and plywood that we've been putting down. And I think at the end of the day, after like just basically breathing in a quarter of a continent i was just done i was so done which continent i don't know a small one
1: is that why your voice Florida. sounds all scratchy i just assumed, might like screaming all new year's eve at you know whatever no
2: no 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 man the i was party
1: that you were at you're screaming your head off
0: not at
2: all <laughs> not at all just the opposite
0: tim had a little tea did a little reading wrote a screenplay i was probably the again. exciting
1: one out of the three of us which that's you very, probably were that's very unusual because i'm really not exciting
0: <laughs> i think a lot of people would beg to differ about that you probably okay, were <laughs> so maybe
1: I, I might define exciting way differently than other people.
0: <laughs> if you were in bed at 12 o'clock if you were not in bed at 12 o'clock eastern time rather then you probably were you probably were the most exciting even i who stay up on a regular basis till one o'clock was in bed although i wasn't asleep
1: No, I was gonna do the homebody thing, and my friend said, "No, you're not." And she came over here, and she made me get all fancied up, and she took me to a spectacular New Year's Eve party at a swanky hotel. I mean, it felt like something out of a movie. It really was. It was a fantastic night. So yes, we were dancing until dawn. So I was definitely the most one out of the three of us.
0: (laughs) I was I was getting ready to walk I was reading, I was just kinda of sitting in bed doing some reading and I was like, All right, at like twelve fifty, I'll turn on the TV and see and then at like twelve fifty four, one of our kids this, the flu's been going through our house. So one of my kids shows up at like eleven fifty four, coming in the room, he's like, I don't feel well. He didn't say it in such a deep voice, but he did say it with that tone. And so we had to get up and um, you know, put him back to bed and then it was like already midnight by the time <laughs> by the time we were back, you know, back comfortably in bed and then I was just like, all right, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> What's the point now? <laughs> so anyway, we are here to usher in the new year with some thoughts on our reading from the previous year. We read several books and close reads. Um, and we've talked about all of those pretty at length. So I'm not going to, you know, I don't know what to say, waste time. But we don't need to spend too much time on those. Um, but I wanna. I wonder if there is... I've got one question for you about the previous year's reading. Um, and I, and my, my, my question is this. Is there a book that we read or a character or something in, or a conversation that we had that surprised you from say Brideshead Revisited or Murder Must Advertise or that just, um, if you'd read the book, that it was something new that you experienced. Tim, um, I'm going to flip that one over to you first. And just to be clear, I did not I did not send any of these questions over to Angelina and Tim before we recorded. So no, I feel like
1: our audience just has to always work under the assumption that you're forever catching us off guard.
2: <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> and the question is mainly about, surprised david is there something that surprised
0: us well you know we talked so much about these books that we don't need to yeah. dwell on them too much so i'm just curious if there was something that well, let me put it this way is there something that lingered with you like what or let me say this oh,
1: I cannot believe you asked this i have such a good answer is there,
0: is there a book <laughs> I'm maybe go to angelina because i don't have anything okay. on this. okay angelina
1: what, what right, i'm gonna give, I'm gonna give Tim about in? 20 minutes to think about his answer while i answer <laughs> my gosh.
0: You have two and a half minutes.
1: Oh, I can't do it in two and a half minutes. uh, All right. So so a book
0: that lingered with you, surprised you, whatever. Like something that Okay.
1: So the book that surprised me was Twelfth Night. Hmm. And uh, (laughs) okay. So where on earth do I start to unravel this answer? So one of the things that I believe so strongly about stories is that when you enter a story, when you experience a work of art, it has a transformative effect on you. You are transformed by virtue of reading it. And it's a very mysterious process. And that happened with me in Twelfth Night. In fact, it just, oh, I swear, to, I mean, it could, God could not have bookended my year better than he did. So um, all year long, I have been obsessed with the disguise motif. I gave a talk about it in, in Austin and uh, pulled in together how the disguise motif is connected to self-knowledge and lack of self-knowledge, and that as you take off the disguise, you move towards self-knowledge, and, um, and that that's also connected to the idea that you've been asleep and you've been blind, and so you, know, you need to wake up and you need to see, and all these moments of self-revelation, right? I've been talking about this theme so much. So I gave the talk. And these ideas didn't go away in July. I kept seeing them in everything I was reading, and it was just gnawing at me and gnawing at me, all of these, all these themes and motifs as I wrestled through them. And so we get to Twelfth Night, and I'm thinking, oh, piece of cake, man, I got this, right? Boom, disguise, bam, bam, bam. And so <laughs> here's the short version of this answer. We get to the end of Twelfth Night. And one of the things I said about Twelfth Night was, It's not the person who knows that they're in disguise. That's the one who doesn't have self-knowledge, right? It's the one who doesn't know that they're in disguise. And I got to the end of Twelfth Night and realized I was the one in disguise. I am the one who has been asleep. I am the one who has been blind. And Twelfth Night was one (laughs) long (laughs) process of... um, regaining my sight. And I have been uh, reeling from that actually, mm. <laughs> in a good way, because mm. that's what that's what literature did. And so while I totally agree with Tim that it's not like Shakespeare's finest work or anything, it is now going to be a personal favorite of mine because it was so transformative. I mean, he just slammed me right between the eyes. That I I am the one who does not know myself. Like here, the irony, right? I'm sitting here telling everybody what the disguise motif means, and I don't even realize I'm wearing one. <laughs> and I, mm-hmm. I couldn't see. So anyway, it got ripped off in a, in, well, I was going to say in dramatic fashion, but I think everything I do is in dramatic fashion. So <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. That's the very <laughs> short version of something I have been thinking about the entire last week.
0: Hmm. And to think wow. you were all upset—well, no, not all upset—you were just you were getting on me about the questions I was going to ask today, and you had an answer <laughs> for the very first one.
1: I know, <laughs> so now I can just check out, and there's a lot no, more that could be said about that. But
0: trust it, me, it, you're it, not going to want to check out on this episode. Just trust <laughs> me. Just trust
1: but, me. But but just you know that really is my deepest deepest belief about literature that it is transformative to us in a mysterious way and one of the things that i notice on the facebook page is how often people say something like i hadn't expected this book to affect me this way you know about various books and i think that's always true right you can never expect you never see it coming that's kind of the whole point right like so often we think oh i'm troubled by x so i'm going to read a book about x right but it's always it ends up always being Z, right? They throw the curveball at you and you're like, oh wait, no, that was actually my problem, and mm-hmm. um, and that's just why I keep coming back to stories that that beautiful mysterious transformation that happens. Now mine happened very fast. It doesn't always happen that fast. Uh, usually I say it like happens over the process of a lifetime, and that's why you keep coming back to stories and they change you more and more over time. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes it can be an an epiphany, and how appropriate for a play entitled Twelfth Night Hmm. and the topsy turvy. Well, I mean, the whole topsy turvy thing, Shakespeare just, yeah, he put my world completely upside down, which ended up actually making it right side up. So Hmm. I appreciate that. Hmm.
2: Tim, do you. Wow, Angelina. I can't, I cannot do anything on top of that. (laughs) (laughs) I think we should just let that one hang.
0: All right. That's fair enough. You know, it's interesting because before we were coming on, we were talking about how people were asking about why we're doing Howard's End. And I think one of the things that you're speaking to there, Angelina, is one of the reasons why I wanted to do that and to do books like that on the show, like why this show kind of exists. Because you don't know where, well, I'll just put it kind of simply, you don't know where an epiphany is going to come from. Um, It could be from a book that you least expect as you've as you've said and how people have kind of said on facebook i didn't expect this book to move me and uh, you, you know we could go the predictable route and choose sort of the same type of books or choose books that are like sort of obviously in our like if you had the three of our um like a grid of the three of our heart books and we tried to find the closest that fit all three of those in those categories of books you could try to find that like that area on the grid where where it's sort of like all three and there'd at least be some books there but in some ways it's kind of interesting um maybe more interesting even to branch out from that and try to um try to explore books that we might not have expected to be moving or i mean there's some risk in that we might hate it (laughs) um but it's also one of the fun exciting things about reading books with other people i think and that's So
1: so that's Oh, I have loved that. I have loved that you have pushed me out of my comfort zone. I'm so looking forward to Westerns and Cormac McCarthy and all the things that I would never, ever, ever pick up on my own. And I'm excited about that. And I I said something similar to this on the, on the Facebook page. But one of the things that I hope is a value of this show is that we never come off as these experts who are just, you know, <laughs> reciting or scripted lectures that we've had for 25 years. I mean, we've all had that literature professor, right, who comes in with a yellowed legal pad, and you're like, this is going to be horrible. Like, I want something fresh and new, and I want to feel that experience with someone, right? And so what I hope is the value of the show is that people watch us just have these moments where we're confused or unsure or disagree or excited or have an epiphany or just, you know, watching us experience what art does. I am doing a lot of talk hey, is your turn to <laughs> i
2: was my friend Jonathan told me that um, about a quote by Jean Piaget you know the child developmental psychologist mm-hmm. p i a g e t that he said the way that you should the, like, the, the best way to gain insights into your field is by reading things that are just slightly outside of your field and <clears throat> Close reads is not that. I mean, we're literature is our field. But yeah, we're reading books that I would never have chosen. I would have never chosen murders advertised for myself. I probably wouldn't have chosen Murder on the Orient Express. It would have always been one of those books that I said, yeah, I should get to that, but I'm not going to. And I'm really glad. It does, it does lead to at least the possibility of insight when you're kind of displaced from what you're just naturally drawn to
0: yeah well uh, this might be a good time to just touch on howard's end because we have gotten some questions so one of the reasons the one of the reasons i want to do Howard end is because wendell berry told me to um <laughs> <laughs> did he really you yeah. had me well, at
1: wendell berry as if so that was in, for a in, moment unsure
0: <laughs> <laughs> in his book um shoot it's a book of essays it's from his um it's it's a lecture. new one no, no no it's a lecture he gave well he does talk about it in his new one but there's a lecture he gave it all turns on affection and that actually that line comes from howard's end so it's a book huh. he looks very highly on so i thought that's one good reason to do it but it's also um it's a book that comes at the end of the edwardian period and it's a book it's kind of like one of the last british Novels of, of about manners, so to speak. However, you, huh. want to say that. and so in a way, <clears throat> it's an interesting continuation on the conversations we've been having about books like uh, uh, *Brideshead* and *Pride and Prejudice*, and even *Murder Must Advertise*. Um, yeah,
1: we've been doing a lot of transition books, haven't we? And yeah. so this is,
0: an, I like this is another, that, though. that it, gets me excited yeah so this is one that kind of fits in that same pattern it continues that same conversation from a different angle and it's also a book that's largely you know it's as the title implies it's a book that's tied to, to a place and i'm really interested in just kind of discussing how that works itself out um bride's head is similar to that but you know this is um it's about the passing away of, of of a place and the way things change and how you kind of deal respond to that <clears throat> so um that pride and prejudice era is ending you know, it's, well, it's basically yeah. already ended, but, yeah. so what happens between those periods to so all the people that are there. Um, and if the clue, it all turns on affection term, you know, kind of gives you a clue. That's something that's, that's a, that's, I guess that's a clue we can keep an eye on as we're reading. Um, it comes in a letter yeah. that a woman writes to a, a desperate woman writes to a man. Maybe she says it to him. I can't remember exactly, but I think it's gonna be an interesting book. It's, it's full of all those things that, that full of all those things that changed the world at that time that we're now living through so in a, so it can mm-hmm. it can give us um something to think about and something to talk about and a way of looking at the world that we live in now that the effects of what happened during this time that howard zen takes place in um are impacting us even in uh, in america in 2018 so all that i think is why it's it's valuable plus it's considered one of the great novels of the 20th century e.m forrester is um is a must-read writer so for people who haven't read him at least this is considered his greatest his greatest book um and it definitely falls into the canon of, of uh, British literature, you, you know, even if it's late. This will
1: you, be the second time I've read it, but I can't remember. It's so confused in my mind with A Room with a View.
0: Yeah. Well, um, the other thing I is... I
1: back to back, so I'm, right. I feel like I'll be coming to it fresh. So another thing I is it remember. does have
0: a movie that came out, a Martian Ivory movie that came out in the early mm-hmm. '90s, I believe, and just as A Room with a View did. Um, so they both have Helena Bonham Carter in them, don't they?
1: Yes, which is probably why I have them so confused in my mind. Yeah, right, how,
0: right. Howard End has Emma Thompson and Anthony Hopkins
1: in it, too, which also had those two actors in the remains of the day. So all three of those movies are just conf- conflagrated into one yeah. giant super movie in my mind.
0: <laughs> well, maybe we can start a reading... bonus episode on them on the movie.
2: Oh, oh, that would that'd be, be, be fun. I started reading Howard's End last night. in... I had a thought, I thought, why, why have I never read, or could I even name a Spanish book, you know, a book originally written in Spanish about this kind of story? It's all British. Like all of the manners books that I know are British stories. And I started formulating thoughts about why that was perhaps the case, because Surely the, I mean, the Spanish obviously had an aristocratic class that changed, you know, before, during, and after the great wars. So this life existed in some slightly different form in Spain and France and Germany. But I only know books by Brits. I only know books about this subject by Brits (laughs) in
0: Why? Be, why is that? It might be that the British have a culture of you know developed a culture of the novel. I mean, that could be that could be part of yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't know. think
1: of the novel of manners as being something in any of these other countries. I mean, it is a little bit, but like in French literature is very it's different. I mean, you have something like Madame Bovary, but it's not the same.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Madame Bovary is it? Boy, it's similar, but yeah, the differences seem.
1: And even in America, we don't have that. So, like, Henry James comes to mind. He's an expatriate. He's basically British. (laughs) He's in the British literature books, you know?
0: The closest thing you get in America is, like, uh, probably...
1: Edith Wharton and Henry James, probably. Edith Wharton
0: and Harry James. But then even um, uh, certain parts of Mark Twain touch on that. And then, um, you know, Connecticut Yankee and so forth. And then you have... And um, and then
1: also, uh, what's his name? William Dean Howells. Now, he writes a bunch of Gilded Age novels.
0: Well, uh, um you know, the great Gatsby almost fits into that. You could, you can make it fit into that. And in a sense, even some of Hemingway does, but the American perspective on it is so different. Yeah. um, Okay. So Tim, I
1: want to know, can I ask a question? I want to know, like, is that kind of a book that to me does not seem like that's a Tim book. Like that's not, that would not be a go-to book for you. Yes. or No, no?
2: definitely. Yeah. It's not, it's not one that I would choose on my own. And I, I just gave this talk on existentialism when I was visiting new college Franklin. Um, and I was kind of trying to redeem that word for people that, you know, have associations of existentialism with, you know, like Jean Paul Sartre sitting in some smoky cafe, you know, cursing, I don't know, <laughs> cursing the theists and the Americans. And I, I, you know, I was kind of trying to like make the claim that, um, Existentialism was started by Christians. And I think that's part of the reason why the novels, my affection for what the existentialists adhere to is part of the reason why book the the novels of manners just don't really resonate with me. I mean, I think obviously Jane Austen is an absolute delight and a master. And I like very much I like reading her. Um but I don't know. We don't need to make this about my psychology. But like, there's something kind of I'm drawn to things like Cormac McCarthy that are that are more primal. Maybe they're more mm. kind of um, I don't want to say like driven by base instinct. That's not what I mean by primal. But
0: there's something no, about the same that we can Is that right?
1: Yeah, so I have a total theory about this, but I don't know how much of it i say on the air.
2: <laughs> <laughs> put, it, put it out there and if it needs to be edited oh, it can be you edited.
1: You want me to say this. All right, so here's what here's what I think, right? I mean, okay, so <laughs> are we kind of drawn to the imaginative world that is the opposite of our own inner landscape? So I feel like my inner landscape is so tumultuous, so primal, so passionate, so intense that the last thing I want when I pick up a book is more of that. So I love, and people have always been, people always that know me will say, I can't believe you love Jane Austen. Like that doesn't make sense to them because I'm not like Jane Austen, right? I'm the opposite of that. Um, But I can't stand Wuthering Heights because that is too much my own world. Uh. Like, no, get that away from me. I got, I feel like I go into an Uh, a tidy little novel of manners and i can breathe and there's the space and i can look around (laughs) but it's so i just yeah so i'm guessing that the two of you have a little bit more tidy inner landscape and so you (laughs) you are drawn to the imaginative world that's more primal that was an excellent word
2: what do you think I, i i that's to me really plausible do you does that does that make sense to you
0: david well, in theory, it makes sense. You know, I think everybody kind of feels like, like if you, if someone told me you have a, you seem to have a really like, what did you, how did you describe it? Like a, um, a, a, a well-ordered, a
2: inner, well-ordered landscape. inner
0: landscape. I'd be like, well, thank you, but you clearly don't know me. You know, it's one of the, yeah, but you everybody probably, probably feels that around way.
1: Around the moors in your inner landscape. That is me. <laughs>
0: minor, I don't want
1: to about that I hate Heathcliff so much <laughs>
0: um I, you know, I, have I to just want to on. take I him have...
1: out of Wuthering Heights and put him inside Pride and Prejudice and having somebody tell him to settle down
0: well I'm with <laughs> you I do not like that book at all so mm. all the people on Facebook who don't like it either can join me and Angelina in our mutual disdain for Wuthering Heights Club <laughs> <laughs> but hey let's hey, talk do about you love
1: Wuthering Heights? I've never read it okay all right that's safe yeah so, okay
2: but I, I I think of um there's been a lot of talk about Brothers Karamazov on the Facebook page. This yeah. is
1: what got me thinking about my theory. Go ahead.
0: <laughs>
2: Dmitri Karamazov.
0: Hey, like, guys. I my- hold hey, that call uh, yeah. for a second. Hey, how are because
3: you? Because we have a surprise
0: for Angelina here. Angelina. <laughs> Angel-
3: I'm throwing down my gauntlet Come <laughs>
0: on.
2: There's a
3: faucet in the house. That's right. Hey. No makeup, nothing. Just I love it. <laughs> and I don't even know if you're throwing around Russian names. I jump on here. I don't even know what you're talking
2: about. <laughs> says the woman says the woman
0: who reads 100 a hundred
2: novels or say, 100 according 100 to your reading a list. A
3: year, so you know exactly who we're talking about.
0: <laughs> okay, well for those yeah. who don't for those who don't recognize her voice, that is Cindy Rollins who Angelina did trash topped a little bit last week, threw down the gauntlet.
1: Lovingly a, alluded to. to lovingly sure. alluded them <laughs> so I have
3: read a book on hacking this morning and i was able to hack onto this podcast <laughs>
2: you're actually you're actually in hoboken right now cindy yeah, is that right. right
1: She no doubt read it on her phone while in line at the grocery store because <laughs> that's how she <laughs> tells me she gets As to- i was getting my as
3: apparently blow drying my farrah Fawcett hair <laughs> <laughs> so that's two hours every morning of good reading time right uh, no, no believe me that's not too i do not blow dry. i read i do not blow dry my hair <laughs> i just love how de- have you got about that just loud. Like, no, no, no.
0: So, so
3: I i do have a little thing about that about people. I mean, this is called closed streets You got and you you criticize readers I'm shocked. No, we didn't criticize no, Rieger's. Does.
1: I just said something. Yeah, crazy. I was going
2: say, I don't know about we. I don't know about we in that yeah, sentence. But you just
1: throw me under the bus wow oh, i think no, that you, i think no. that you
2: were under the bus and i kind of leaned down and waved at you yeah.
1: oh
3: that's we how the show know Angelina that's how to throw herself under the
0: bus <laughs> well cindy um we're, i want to get back to what tim was saying but before we do you did read um many books this year and i'm curious if you could just tell us if there was um a book or two that um surprised you the most or that led to an epiphany that you you know maybe had been that surprised you we'll just say um i asked tim and angelina the same question um about the books that we read on close reads so i'm just curious if there was a book out there that you read through 2017 uh that did that led to an epiphany and then i'm also curious how many books you've read so far in 2018
3: well i have nothing books and uh, that's an easy question
1: oh yes wait I want to enjoy this moment I'm officially tied with Cindy (laughs) Rowan's right now yeah, I'm, I'm, I should, I'll probably
3: finish about 10 before the, the month's over. But <laughs> one of the reasons I'm able to read so much is I don't like, and this is all Charlotte Mason, I don't get bored because I keep a running list of like 10 titles going. So, you know, I never just sit around and force myself to read something I'm not enjoying at that moment. I move on to something else. So, but, and then all of a sudden, you know, boom, I'll finish a bunch of books all at once. So oh, I'm yeah, kind okay. of mid right now and uh but yeah i don't think now that i had any epiphanies last year i well i'm trying to think i did i really i read two russian novels that were not russian really one was um a gentleman with a preposition in moscow i can't even remember which preposition a gentleman in, gentleman in moscow right gentleman in moscow i really really enjoyed that and I read Loris, which, you know, just, just for the, you know, the points, the <laughs> points. Honestly, I wasn't ready for that. And I'm, I'm not sure when I will be. That wasn't, um, I liked a gentleman in Moscow better, but um, I heard good things about that. Yeah. It, oh, it's excellent. I've not read any, uh, nobody I've recommended it to, or nobody that I've heard that has read it has not liked it. Huh.
2: Okay so Cindy,
3: that, would, that
2: would be it. Is, I have a question, Cindy. Are you a fast reader? This is a genuine question. Do you consider yourself a fast reader
3: uh probably accidentally i am i i I will read i read slowly and that and that I told you you know how I read sort of you know the little bit here a yeah. little bit there um so I wouldn't say that I'm a super fast reader, but I think i my reading skills are just naturally fast, yeah, probably yeah i mean i underline i take notes i'm not i mean i'm not one to have a huge notebook full of quotes but i will i do have lots of underlinings
0: did your um did your reading habits you know which angelina is making likes to make fun of um at least (laughs) a number of books did uh did that
1: lovingly (laughs) (laughs) allude?
0: sorry fine line there um at least with you did uh did you did your reading people are confused
1: about love when it comes to me a lot i'm used to this i was loving you cindy not attacking you. i'm not confused i knew i know
0: did so did your reading habits change i mean when you were when you had little kids how How what were you what were you reading
3: oh yeah no definitely i I read a lot of parenting you know how to do it books like
0: (laughs) yeah yes and you probably read a lot to the kids
3: Yes. And really, I said that, that saved my reading. If I had not been reading to my children, um, I, I wouldn't have read nearly as much, you know. I was reading about 50 books a year, I think, when I was, before I had kids. And then um, after I had kids, I really uh, read less in a way, but in a way I started to read more because I was reading out loud. And I'm still yeah. reading out loud a lot to my students. So that, you know, boosts, my my rankings. <laughs> Plus, I have a full five minute commute to work, so I do audio books. Which, I've, you know, I go back and forth about that. But I I, I have deep memories about audiobooks. so I, I feel like they're okay. Hmm.
0: The the test of time, and they've stood the test of time for you. Yeah, yeah,
3: I can still. Sometimes I can't remember was that an audio or did I turn the pages and read it. So I figure that's a good sign.
0: Is there a book that you read this year? I mean, other than maybe uh, *Gentlemen in Moscow*, that you would tell. Um, angelina and tim and anybody else who's listening that they like they must read it's just a book that you wanted to give to everybody when you read it this year
3: um boy my brain is so blank i should have come prepared um i read a book called um it it was a really really old book called come back barbara and when i told people they're like that wasn't that like super old it's a christian living book about a family whose daughter had gone astray and I, I just thought it was such a wonderful book about relationship, how we relate to non Christians or family members who may not be um, Christians, and and it's not a book on a lot of people's radars because it's so old. It's like eight, 1980 something, but I just felt to me it was just a wonderful book about um, relationships, mm-hmm. and um, it, I, so I do. I found myself uh, rec- recommending that book quite a bit.
0: Mm-hmm so did you uh, have you did you read any of the books that we talked about on close reads
3: oh yeah i read all those i mean i've read all of the i have read all of those some i read again this year i read gilead again um i read um you've read all the agatha christie uh, books right and all the yeah i don't know how many of those of hers i've read but i've always um i've read all the big ones i've read and then a few here and there always enjoy her she's very very fun to read great diversion.
0: And then you, uh,
2: and Cindy, what, what book or what type of book just brings you the most pleasure? If you could just, you know, you've got 15 books out in front of you. What kind of genre are you going to pick up naturally?
3: Yeah. You know, I used to read mostly fiction and now I've been reading a lot more nonfiction, but a really good fiction book. Um, that's, and, and it's it's really disappointing. Uh, so many modern books. Um, at people, I, I I've, I've honestly I've almost gotten to the place where I'm not going to fall for any more modern recommendations because I'm I'm always so disappointed in the writing of of the modern novel. Um, but um, but a really good good. Uh, I, I like murder mysteries. I really enjoy them, but they have to be well written. And there's a lot of poorly written ones. Yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah. yeah. Do you, are you a Sayers mm-hmm. over a Christie? Christy?
3: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think Christie's kind of light compared to Sayers and, and, but I think there's a place for that. It's a joyful, light reading. Oh, we share, um, we share a deep crush on Lord Peter, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, my husband is really happy. He's not an actual I would person. just,
1: for the record, since <laughs> some people said someone <laughs> said someone called me out on Facebook that she wanted to fight with me just for the record, I have, Plenty of sense not to fight with Cindy Rollins, but if Lord Peter walked in the room, That's right. we would we would be we blind. would go at it. Step aside, pull out your phones because it's going. To, yeah, it would blow up large. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm still pretty I, confident Cindy would win. So I am a
3: total Anglophile, and I will just read anything British. And when I'm watching TV shows, I pause and look at the British architecture, and I'm like, oh, I think I might have walked down that street. I've been to England once, and I so any. British is. I'm all about that. Um, I don't know why. It's something deep in my soul, but I'm hmm. all about that.
0: Hmm. Um, Angelina, do do you do you need to say anything to each other before we let Cindy go, or did you, Cindy, yeah. you want to? I adore you, old?
1: Cindy Rollins, and I love that you read all the books in the world. And lie about them. <laughs> well, you know I'm
3: really old, so the thing is, there's a sense of urgency about my reading. Really, that's kind of a joke, but really there is. It's like, oh my goodness, things are getting bad. I'm running out of time, Hmm. so
1: well so you, can, with that you know before band. this show started recording i said i was so glad i was out of my depressive funk and looking forward to 2018 <laughs> but now that cindy has reminded me that i'm running out of minutes to read books <laughs> I'm like, oh,
3: yeah
1: yeah,
3: Wait, yeah. Well, you guys do a great i'm so glad you have this fun podcast and thank you for actually de- deigning to mention me on it
0: <laughs> please yeah please,
3: please. i do know
1: cindy come on that was brilliant marketing and promoting on my like how can we get more people on this show i will mention cindy ron
2: <laughs> that's a, I I was a really good idea the
1: kind- kindred conference on you know just the promise that we're gonna fight it, it sold out. out in 30 seconds after cindy announced <laughs> that she and i were going to be fighting at yeah, the kindred exactly. conference
0: yeah that is coming in uh what is that march um here in charlotte march
1: yeah. and then a replay on the west right
0: yeah we'll be yeah. in colorado in may um the, the, me the, and
1: cindy we, in colorado that state better look out
3: yeah we are we are gonna have fun
0: <laughs> in, May, in uh in um here in charlotte in march it'll be cindy angelina and christine perrin um and so that will be there's i don't remember the exact date but if you go to our events page you can find out how. march
1: to 24th it. i think
0: okay. what part, part of colorado
1: colorado springs
0: nice nice and that's
2: going to and
1: I will descend on the state. <laughs> it I will it either be an eclipse or a light. I am not sure which one.
0: <laughs> well, Cindy, thank you for coming on. If you Thanks feel, for coming on. If you want to offer you. a little bit of trash talk before you leave, you can certainly feel free. Oh
3: well, thank you. No, I will. I will show that I am bigger than the trash talk. <laughs> I think we know which one is the lady in this group. I give it all to you, Cindy.
0: That was like the best. Yeah, no,
3: I, I i do angeline is right i am an instigator and i sometimes i i let loose i start things that then i'm sad and i feel like oh dear that's gotten that out of control and now i don't know how to put it out so thanks thanks for being critical of me and thanks for then letting me um put out the fire a little bit and well you i love
1: having people think cindy rollins had a fat law on me that was amazing <laughs> Oh, I'll, there'll be plenty of chances for that. I, it's <laughs> <really cool about.
0: laughs> well, Cindy, uh, happy new year. Happy reading. Bye, happy
3: new year. Thanks, Thanks for coming. Happy new year. Thank you, Cindy. Bye,
0: Cindy. <laughs> See you.
3: Bye, bye.
0: All right. Well, as we... <laughs> As we think about it, Cindy, we probably should actually get to some of the books that we read this year. Yeah, we should. We should. We only have a few minutes left. I don't want to go too long on this.
1: I didn't read a lot. Let's have more banter. No, I'm just.
0: Well, you read more than Tim and I. So here's what I want to do. I want to to ask you if there is a book similar to the questions I just asked Cindy and the question I asked you earlier, but is there a book that you read this year, Tim, I'll start with you, that was not on the show, but that you would like, you think everybody you just recommend it so much. It became sort of a heart book for you. It doesn't have to be... It could be genre. It could be something that just like spoke to you that not everybody's going to love, but that even so, you would say, there's something in this book that I just love.
2: Does it need to be literature? Can it be nonfiction? Sure. <clears throat> um, oh... I mentioned already Dead Wake by Isaac Larson. I mean, if you just want a great, just a great story, I would highly, highly recommend that. about the sinking of Lusitania before World War I. Um, And I'll recommend uh, literature, Sutri by Cormac McCarthy. And let me just give my little background with this. I probably read Sutri about five years ago and I just thought it was one of the most amazing things I've ever read. The book is about the lead character's name is Sutri. We meet him on a houseboat, and he's on the Tennessee River in the early 60s. He's a fisherman. And he he just appears to be a kind of down on his luck, kind of semi-vagrant character. But then you hear him speak, and he speaks with such dignity and nobility, and that it's this. Really bizarre juxtaposition between this character who seems to barely be scraping by and this just he's got a background that is clearly not one of destitution. It's probably 400 pages, the whole book is poetry, it's absolutely sumptuously beautiful. <laughs> Um, it's really, really funny. What era? I read it five years ago. What year?
0: What era? Like, is this early Cormac McCarthy?
2: He wrote it's Cause I've never read that it's one. It's the transition book between the early stuff and Blood Meridian and the middle stuff. So I think okay. it's the book right before Blood Meridian. To me, it's where he gets his voice. I mean, he kind of catches his voice. Okay. Um, I don't think, I can imagine a lot of people reading that book for 30 pages and just saying, Tim has lost his mind. Nothing is (laughs) happening in this book. I just think it sets my heart on fire. It's Mm. like top five probably for me all time. Maybe even Mm. top three.
1: Mm. Wow. That's
2: oh, it's just I I mean, you guys will need to turn the volume off because I will just keep. It is just stunning. Part of the reason it's so stunning is I don't like books without. But you've heard me complain. Like part of my complaining against Gilead was like. Where's the plot here? Are there any, like, you know, where's the spine of this book? And that book, someone might start reading and say, really, Tim? You're going to complain about a plotless book? This book has (laughs) no plot. And um, it's just a character study. And uh, I just think Sutri is one of the most well-imagined characters and maybe even more than that. The description of the downtrodden life in knoxville tennessee in like the late 50s and early 60s it's it's i don't even know how to describe it it's like Odysseus. it's not like odysseus it's not like homer it's like james joyce there
0: is it, is it dark for those who might be squeamish
2: oh gosh it's not <laughs> it's not the darkest of his books but is it, it's is dark it it's violent and okay. it's a drunk fest. I mean, the, f- the second chapter is about Sutri going into a bar where all of his buddies are and you're like, oh, our main character is an alcoholic. It's pretty clear he's an alcoholic. Um,
0: I've heard it compared to. And Fault I will
2: not. There. Very much so. Yeah, very much so. And yeah. if you have never, um, <laughs> if you have never been drunk in a bar but you want to know what it feels like, the second chapter of Sutri is all you need to know. <laughs>
0: Angelina, are you there?
1: I'm here now. I got bumped out, but I'm back. Um, I got back just in time to hear Tim encouraging me to get drunk in a bar, and I'm no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no. Angelina, do you have any- uh, Do you have a book or two that um, you'd just recommend everybody, everybody read? You know, I'm say sitting here looking at my fiction. list.
1: I'm looking at my list and I'm panicking, of course, because I did not have a heart book this year. This was hmm. not a year for me to have a hard book. I under, read some things. 12 nights. 12 nights. Well, I mean, yeah, thank God, right? Will Shakespeare slammed my face into the mirror that is his play and now, you know, there you go. But no, I, I didn't have a hard book. I so I'm just going to I guess I'll just answer the only way I know how to answer, which is a book that I read. So Typical classic, classic Angelina, right? I, I am incapable of being on trend. I am, and I am either way ahead of the curve or way behind the curve, but I am just never riding the wave of the trend. Insert joke here. And so everybody is losing their mind over gentlemen in Moscow, right? Like the Facebook page is going nuts. People are tagging me in it. You have to read this book. You have to read this book. Well, of course, before I ever heard of Gentlemen in Moscow, I read this guy's other book that he wrote.
0: Amos (laughs) Toll, right?
1: Yeah, Amos Toll's. I read his book at the beginning of last year, Rules of Civility, which is a reference to George Washington's Rules of Civility. Mm -hmm. So... I just I managed to read the wrong one. Um, I liked it. It wasn't a heart book. I didn't lose my mind or anything. I thought, oh, you know, it's pretty good writing for someone who's still alive. And you know, was, <laughs> you, was, know the you know that people's writing doesn't—you
0: know that people's writing doesn't get better after they die, right? Like the books. Like when someone goes I'm, in the ground, the books don't start to just like take on. That this. is
1: what you think, David. That is what you th- the fair—the book fairies come. It's a whole thing.
0: Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna to have to. I'm I'm gonna have to explore this idea because it gives me great hope for my own works, my own writing. Um, I can it's like go, wine;
1: I can... it just takes time.
0: <laughs> if I'm dead, if I'm dead long enough, my stuff could become mediocre. Um,
1: but you know, so I mean, I liked it. I wouldn't tell everybody to run out. There was nothing I read this year that I would say everybody should run out and read it.
0: Was there? A I book mean, for-
1: other than the stuff like I read for this show and for my classes and stuff, but not. I mean, I, right. didn't, I didn't have a hard book this year. This was a hard hmm. year. I would like a heart book. Someone should give me a heart book. I don't think it's going to be the guy getting drunk in the bar just to be honest. I don't think that's going to be my heart book. But <laughs> I might like it, but I don't think I'm going to curl up at night and be like, "Yes, I found my people."
2: <laughs> um, hey, David, I want
0: to Yeah, go. Do ahead. you have a book, David? Well, what I was going to say is there's a book that I um I did a lot my reading this year would probably be um people who are very um like judgy about about whether how classical books are I would not not be uh very proud of my impressed with my reading list this year i read a lot of genre fiction like a lot of it um but one of my favorite books i read this year was nonfiction, fiction which w- it's called how to think um it's by alan jacobs came up this year it's called how to think a survival guide for a world at odds alan jacobs teaches at baylor um he has written for formally at Formerly at Calvin or at Wheaton, I think Wheaton. Yeah, really? uh, yeah. At
1: Baylor, so he's over there with Ralph Woods.
0: Yeah, yeah. And he's kind. Of, it's kind of he, the book's known as a contrarian treatise on why we're not as good at thinking as we assume. Um, and mm. so it kind of gets into how learning to think better um, would be a important balm for our current um, cultural issues. So it's a really interesting book. It's not long, uh, maybe like 150 pages. Very readable, uh, funny. Um, that's a good book and then the other one that i would say is if you like spy fiction as i have long been known to like um by listeners of this show um i dove wholeheartedly into the work of eric ambler this year who was kind of one of the early i've said it before he was he maybe is the the godfather of uh, spy fiction and i read three i think three of his novels this year so if you like that kind of thing it takes place like after world war one like our world war one-ish era and often it's about sort of average people getting caught up in international espionage um because of their career like whether they're a journalist or a merchant of some kind or something like that and they get caught up in it and then go on get wait you know pulled along in these adventures very influential for jean le carré and uh um the james bond stories and uh things like that so those his novels are the best i think the best some of the best spy novels i've read maybe other than john le carré so if you are into that kind of thing those are very readable and they're definitely hard books for me genre hard books <laughs> oh is there go, you yeah think i've you got gonna... eric
1: ambler on my nightstand I'm I'm, I'm I'm trying to try to tackle him this year
0: which Uh,
1: oh, it's the one i sent you a picture of uh, you said it was his
0: oh um a coffin he... for Demetrius no there's a british title for it as well i mean it's in the other room yeah um anyway i think you'll like it i think you'll like it it's different than like you know a um it's different than the a murder mystery you know those are very different genres um i do like spy
1: novels
0: it's got a little more in common i will will
1: unashamedly admit that when i was in high school i read a whole bunch of robert ludlum novels and really liked them (laughs)
0: oh well that you know you talk about plotting and just the ability to tell a story like there's something underrated about doing that well um and, no doubt and he doesn't you know a guy like Ludlam knows how to write you know and maybe it's not going to go down well, as, i know Shakespeare oh, give you right some now.
1: 1500 page book and he's just killing it
0: yeah
2: yeah that's
1: not easy
0: right and over and over again
2: <laughs> um hey david i wonder yeah. if i could make a couple of recommendations now i'm like snapping into educator mode you know,
1: Here I mean, we go, Teacher Tim in the house.
2: Seriously, is all about you know we're we're trafficking in the Western canon. You yep. know, a lot. Of, not every book that we read is part of the Western canon, but um, we have like a strong allegiance to this kind of mashup of ideals that came partly from ancient Athens and partly from ancient Jerusalem, and they kind of in. Enf- so much of the things that we take for granted, whether it be from democracy to individual human rights, economic prosperity, medicine, rationality, etc. I read a book this year and I'm going to recommend it, but I'm going to re- recommend it with two caveats. The book is called How the West Won. You guys heard of this book? Wait, How is this West Rodney Won, Stark's book? By Rodney Stark.
1: Dude, I still stopped- like three years ago, I loved it.
2: I think it's. I think it's a really good book.
1: It's called but How it the ne- West Was Won. Oh,
2: I thought it was How the West Won. Oh
1: no, you're right. It is How the West Won. You're, yeah. totally, you're totally right. My bad.
2: So his his Rodney Stark is. I think he's at Baylor also. He, he's a
1: sociologist, not a historian. He's super interesting, and I should stop talking about your book. Go ahead.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. <laughs> He is basically, this book is a long account about why Western values ended up coming to the forefront of the modern world. His account is a traditional account in one way. It's a non-traditional account in another way. It's a traditional account in that he really emphasizes that it's the ideas that are at the forefront of the West. It's, you know... Socrates and Plato and Aristotle, their insights combined with the ethic of Christianity, those two kind of like worked in conjunction to produce science, democracy. So that's the traditional telling of why the West rose more rapidly than other areas of the country. Um, That has come under fire in the 20th century, by other by people who will say, come on, it's not just you've got to include things like imperialism and how completely destructive that was to the African continent if you're going to talk about um, this glorious story of the rise of the West, because the West is full of destruction also. So the other telling of the story is um, Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond. So Jared Diamond is a scientist, can't remember what specific field he's in, but he's kind of writing, yeah, the West won because basically they got guns first, germs wiped out, indigenous populations where imperialism was happening, and um, the West figured out how to put down steel railroads, et cetera, et cetera, and the industrial revolution that followed that. Those books, if, if you want, like, to me, a very fair telling of the kind of a, the rise of the Western world, those two books in conjunction with each other, I think, would be just a tr- like a one-year education in kind of like what we're doing and how it affects people today.
1: Oh, I really appreciate that. I have the second one, but have not read it.
2: Yeah, I... I love Rodney Stark, but sometimes Rodney Stark seems to me he's so insistent on, um, and I'm thankful for it, on on kind of salvaging Christianity, and especially the medieval world, to the modern mind, that sometimes he kind of brushes aside some kind of inconvenient reality. You no,
1: know, I agree. I, I didn't, I mean, while I overall liked the book, there were things I took issue with. Yeah. I will say this, too, for our listeners. It's very readable. It's not, it's, you know, it's, very it's, it's a popular nonfiction thing. It's not like a heavy academic work. It's,
2: and I think it's perfect for our readers because I think most of, most close readers have got at least some acquaintance with the story of the West. You know, they may not know, not everybody knows who Alcibiades is, but it doesn't matter. You still know, like, the main plot points. And I think Rodney Stark kind of, because he's a bit of an iconoclast, he relies on his reader having a background in the Western canon, Western literature, Western history, the rise of science, that I think um, I think our readers are familiar enough with those main plot points that they could really sink their teeth into how the West won. Okay, now I'm taking off my teacher hat.
0: <laughs> well, what I want to end this. Um, I'm definitely going to check out that book, but i want to end this just because of time frame and i want to go back to bed (laughs) um poor dave about i want to ask you guys about some of your goals for your reading goals for 2018 are there anything are there any books in particular um that you are dying to read or that you want to reread or some challenges that you have for yourself not necessarily how many books you want to read but just um you know any maybe maybe it's just a habit you want to you want to get better at or a um or like I said, a, a, a book that you've never gotten to, or that you want to reread, or something like that. Is do either of you have anything like that, Angelina? I'll start
3: with you.
1: Uh, well, no, I haven't really thought through my goals of the year, <laughs> but Fair I did. Uh, I did, however, clean off my desk today and locate my copy of Anna Karenina. And so, I, the reason that it's on my desk under a big stack of stuff because 2017 was supposed to be the year I reread Anna Karenina, and sadly got a few hundred pages into it and did not finish rereading it. so I have rediscovered it and I was actually just thinking before the show that it's 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 time to reread it just because I well, I was so. I was was obviously much younger when I read it before and also in a very, very different place in my life. And Mm. that book is extraordinarily special to me. And Anna is, I mean, it's so special to me. I will just, I will freely admit that I am like basically irrational when someone says anything negative about the character, Anna, like I just want to street fight you in a dark alley. It's just crazy (laughs) how intensely I have to protect Anna. So I'm, I, I want to, I want to revisit it to see if I still feel like that or if, if I'm changed in the way that I think about her and the whole book and the whole world of the book, because I'm so changed now. But how,
2: so how long ago was it that you first read it, Angelina?
1: 19 years ago? Yeah. Almost 20, maybe even 20 years ago.
0: Yeah. So 2016, I did the same thing. I started reading it. It got like 150 pages in or whatever. And then I, it went by the wayside, sort of, just kind of forgot about it. So two, that's one of my reading goals of this year is to, to go back to Anna Karenina, finish that, You know, try to make sure, get, get through the whole book in 2017.
1: I mean, it's Tim, long. When was the not last time long. you read Anna?
2: Uh, recently, I think a year and a half ago and i fell in love with all over again
1: okay that's what i'm really hoping oh, is happening gosh.
2: oh it's oh, i it's hope
1: just, that i just love her it's even just more as,
2: like, yeah okay. it's all just right. as good as you remember okay. it's just the top of the shelf
1: okay
0: good do you have a book that you're going to that's on your goal for this year like that tim
2: i i have two goals for this year one of them is i've got to figure i've got to know more about 19th century American history. I I feel like I know like up to the revolution fairly well on the continent and in the United States, but yeah, the 1800s, I like, I don't know that I could actually put Andrew Jackson on the map. I don't I mean, I just so I've got to know more historically about what's going on. That's kind of a dark century for me. And the other thing that I want to do is I just want to read I want to read more about the history and development of science and math, and I will not be able to do it by reading a science or math textbook. Um, I just want to read a really good history of... Yeah, kind of like... I, I, I don't even know how to say it. I want to, I want to read the story of the rise of science in the West. I'm just so interested in that, and I feel like I was such a poor math and science student. I just didn't really care that much that I just... It's dark for me.
0: Well, tell me what books you, you come upon because I feel similarly.
1: Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Like you could just you could just text me those titles anytime. And I, if I maybe, find something, I'll, I'll send them, them.
0: them to you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: If Tolstoy tells me to read it, I'll consider it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, any final thoughts you guys want to, you guys have for the... David, do you have a goal? Um, well, I always set my reading goal at 40 books, which I know is not that much, but I, I, you know, I just can't really, I, I never get more than that. Um, and I'm going to try to, I want to read Anna Karenina. I want to read the Emily Wilson translation of the Odyssey cover to cover. Um, and I want to read a lot more spy novels because I love them. <laughs> um, yeah. and that's just kind of the books. Like when I need to read something that, you know, just to kind of unwind or, um, uh, Decompress. I don't know. Those those words mean the same thing. Just to find to read something that I love. Those that's kind of where I like to turn. That in, and westerns. But um I also want to um, make sure that people like the books they're reading for close reads, or at least you know enjoy the conversation. So that's my goal is to make sure that this show doesn't stink. We've <laughs> <laughs> done or, well thus far. So
2: today, you've been
1: secretly today auditioning today. two new co hosts on the show. Is that the plan? Is that what I'm hearing you say? <laughs> That's why no, Cindy Rollins was on today. I knew it.
0: It's too much work to figure out how to like build a rapport with new people. I'm honestly just gonna settle with where we are.
1: I love that your answer was it's too much work to get rid of me. That is my entire life plan about every relationship I'm in. Thank you for confirming that.
0: Just to be clear, that is not actually true. I value you as a co-host on this show, um, Tim most of the time too um no i'm just kidding you guys are great i love the show i love doing it with you every week um let's plan on doing the first five chapters of howard's end for next week if that works great Um, great first five chapters
1: yeah sounds uh, sounds good i remember
0: two pages so um so there it is for people who are listening we'll read the first five chapters we'll discuss those next week on the second episode of 2018 but with that i'm gonna go home and i'm gonna go back and go home and get some covers. rest david
1: thank you david you're a trooper thanks for being with there with us <laughs>
0: yeah, of course um and thanks to cindy <laughs> Rollins for making an appearance um and making peace i was kind of hoping for more <laughs> trash talk but you know <laughs> when you have to hear each other's voice it's a little bit different right
1: I like Cindy way too much to actually trash talk her.
0: I know, I know. I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm sure she'll I'm sure she'll talk trash on the Mason Jar. Um we've got lots of <laughs> lots of great content out there for the Cersei Podcast Network, so be on the lookout. New episode of um Forma and new episode of Ask Andrew up this week, as well as a new episode of The Commons. Uh, all will be up by the time this episode airs. So um or is posted or whatever the appropriate word is. Uh so for everyone here at the Cersei Institute. For Angelina and Tim. I am David Kern saying Happy New Year. Thanks so much for listening to Close Reads, and we will uh, talk to you next week when we talk about Howard's End. Have a great week.